Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. take your seats. We really do appreciate God who is our strength, our hope. We worship him from the bottom of our hearts, not just from our lips, not just from our hands, but from the bottom of our hearts. Amen. You know, as we come across to sharing the word of God this afternoon, uh, I've been reflecting on the heart I've been reflecting on the various messages that we've been privileged to be a part of here in this house over several weeks, probably a couple of months now. The heart, that central processing unit, that command center, that place that uh, pumps blood and pumps oxygen into our bodies, but at the same time, It is the seat of our being. You know, Pastor Agul explained this so well when he made the distinction between our heart, the physical muscle, our heart, and and that center of our being, where, where the seat, where our emotions, our will, our intellect are formed. And, and that's why the scriptures say in Proverbs 4.23, that is the anchor scripture for this series, that uh, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it, out of that central place, flows all of the issues of life. That heart, our inner man, you know, all those thoughts we have. And, and the interesting thing about the heart is this. You know, when it is functioning well and everything is aligned, uh, it's a spring of fresh water. And so when Dr. Zoe led us, uh, as she was speaking about the mental health week and the challenges of mental health that is often faced, uh, we recognize that it is the grace of God that really, really uh, comes to help us. You know, Over those few weeks that I talked about, we've been focused mainly on our own hearts, our own hearts as individuals. Uh, We we, we looked at what the challenges were with the hearts. We looked at the physical heart. Uh, How many of you remember when Pastor did that comparison in the first service, uh, the first time he brought this message? We, We looked at the physical heart, but then we looked at the spiritual heart. And over those several weeks, we, by God's grace, have been on a journey of transformation. Some of us may very well have started so many weeks ago, suddenly recognizing that, wow, yeah, I really do have 
a, a hard heart. I have a stony heart. It's not that pleasure, pleasurable to admit to, but recognizing that it is true. I have a stubborn heart. I have a, uh, or had a deceitful heart, an evil heart, a corrupt heart. I had an unbelieving heart. Uh, and this was quite interesting. And one that many of us may very easily have fallen into. The whole concept of the unbelieving believer. Where we've given our lives to Christ, but gradually without even knowing it, some sort of corruption of the heart had set in and we were that unbelieving believer. But thanks be to God, because over those weeks, that transformation to our hearts being soft and squidgy in God's hands is a transformation that I certainly have been through. And I like to believe that whether you're worshipping with us online or you're here in the auditorium, that is something that you can testify of as well. Uh, we had uh, Pastor um, talk about the wounded heart. We heard about the fearful heart. And I would like us to know that there is so many good reasons as to why the heart was in those situations and so many reasons as to why the heart could remain in those situations. But thanks be to God, because as Pastor also shared, there was the antidote to that which we have applied in our lives. And even if you haven't been with us on this journey for the several weeks and months that uh, I'm referring to, this might be your first time in church, this might be the first time you're worshipping online, or you've come along partway through the journey. The beauty, first of all, is this. Thanks to YouTube, all of those messages are there that you can go back, listen to, catch up, fill ourselves up with the Word of God. But also, God is so faithful and so gracious that it doesn't really matter whether you came on day one or you came on day three or week five. God is so gracious, and I believe he is doing that transformation in all of our lives. So we've been on a series about our hearts, but we also had the benefit of getting a glimpse into the fact that God has a heart. And that was actually quite revelatory, more because we kind of just focused our minds on it. This was in the service that Pastor Sholade Aga took, where he was teaching about the heart of the matter. So we have a heart. God has a heart. And the uh, uh, prophet Samuel testified about God's heart in First uh, Samuel 13, when he went off to the house of uh, Jesse, to, or when he was going to go to the house of Jesse to anoint David as king. And he says, the Lord has sought for himself a man after God's heart. And Doc encouraged us to use David as a template to bring uh, this person that God said is a man after his heart and use him as an example for how we can also be people that God can testify about. But this afternoon, we're not taking a look at our own hearts. We're not taking a look at God's heart. This afternoon, we're taking a look at the heart of the nation. 
Because did you know that even as a nation, there is a heart and a heartbeat? Collectively, there is the heart of the nation. And I have to say to you that the heart of this nation, the United Kingdom, has been beating very heavily, pumping very hard for the last seven years. My wife and I, we sat down and we kind of did a bit of a catalog and we realized it's been non-stop for seven years. Seven years takes us back to uh, 2015. Here we are uh, new, uh, in the run-up to uh, the Brexit vote. And many of you would remember the rancors and the divisions that was there where families were at war against families and there was such a mood in the nation, such division that seemed to have just taken place uh, and the contentions of the time. And then, of course, we got to the actual Brexit vote itself. And we all know how, while some may say it was expected, uh, it was a major shock and it was finally divided. So, you know, it wasn't like an overwhelming thing where most of the people wanted to go one certain way. And that fed into the contention and the divisions even a little bit more. And didn't the whole thing around Brexit introduce new names into our household? And didn't it introduce uh, new words into the lexicon of our languages, of our language? Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm going to ask, how many people actually remember the whole thing about Article 50? <laughs> yeah? How, how many people remember the Irish border issue or the Malthouse uh, compromise? Or who remembers the names Michel uh, Garnier and Donald Tusk? These are people that we didn't know about before and they suddenly became part of our lives. But straight off Brexit, we hit straight into the pandemic. And that came with its own set of challenges, as well as its own set of new words that kind of uh, hit our, our, our language. I certainly had not heard of furlough before the pandemic. Only now am I finding out that, oh, no, it was a word and it was actually there. In fact, I, was, I can't remember, I think I was in Essex one day. And I drove past somewhere called Furlough Street. I'm like, wow, there's something called Furlough? But um, that, that all came at that time. And of course, the pandemic, once in a generation, nobody's seen it before. The heart of the nation pounding. Was everyone going to be laid off? Are they going to have jobs? What's going to happen? How many people? Can you remember the daily uh, toll and the daily reports in Downing Street of the number of people that were dying and succumbing to this disease. And then there was the lockdown and the challenges of the lockdown. And then there was Partygate in the midst of that. And that brought a whole bunch of political turmoil, particularly for those who were directly affected here in the UK. But the heart of the world has also been pumping. The nations around the world, the collective heartbeat has been pumping very fast because you would also remember that in this same span of time, we've had Black Lives Matter that kicked off in the US, 
but spread out across the world, including the UK. Many of you will remember NSARS uh, in West Africa, in Nigeria, uh, and, and how that has just really, really kept the heart beating. And just when we thought that we were coming to the end of the lockdown and the end of the pandemic and everything was beginning to look like it was all right, we hit the invasion of Ukraine. And, and, and it's been nonstop. It's nonstop. Just take a look at it. And even from Ukraine has spun out a whole bunch of additional challenges. And that's why we've got the cost of living crisis. Well, not necessarily why we have it, but we have now the cost of living crisis. We have energy poverty, which itself definitely has a lot to do with the uh, invasion of Ukraine. We've got global food poverty, uh, which... Uh, I certainly did not realize that that many products that were in our homes were actually originating from Ukraine. And in this same seven-year period, we've had the whole ramp-up in climate change, the extreme weathers, uh, one part of the country or, the, or one part of the nation um, of the world or the other parts of the nation. In this same seven years... We've had the passing of the queen, and now we're threatened with nuclear war. I mean, anybody looking at it, anybody looking at the nation would fully well understand why the heart of the nations will be pumping very hard right now. The nations have a heart, and it is definitely uh, pumping. You know, it's very difficult to get the attention of government or even the attention of the media on any matters of significance to you and I just because of the magnitude of these various other things. Some of you would be aware that as though I didn't have enough to do already, I got involved in um, a social justice charity that is seeking peace and security in another part of the world. And it's impossible to get media attention. It's impossible to get the government to even put their time of the day to these matters that are of such great importance. Today, in the UK, we are dealing with uh, rising interest rates, rising inflation, runaway inflation potentially, energy costs rising, the food costs rising. We certainly have seen an increased use of food banks in the UK. And here at Jesus House, we know that very much so because our own food bank in Collindale is, is, is getting unprecedented usage from people who would not normally be using food banks. The uh, warehouse for the food bank is housed right here in this building behind you, and the, the shelves are empty. So a quick plug for the food bank. Please, when you're coming to church next Sunday, bring some extra bits and pieces because uh, the, the shelves are empty in the food bank. But thank God for his uh, provision. You know, in addition to all of that, we're hearing that there may very well be the possibility of rations. I mean, is this 1945? Is this 1970? Energy rations, food rations... And on top of all of that, you have the whole issue 
of social justice, uh, of racial justice, or should we say racial injustice? You know, we're experiencing family breakdowns in the UK at the moment, rising personal debts, housing issues, worklessness, social justice, uh, the criminal justice system is still burdened and overburdened with a disproportionate amount of young black men who should be nowhere near prisons, youth detention centers, who are in there. I, 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 I chair um, a, 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 a drug and alcohol charity um, in the UK, and they're doing an amazing work. But when you see the people that are beneficiaries of this work and the people who succumb to this work, we realize very quickly that uh, there is a desperate need for there to be a change of heart collectively in the nation. You know, writing in the seventh verse of 29th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, speaking to you and speaking to me, asks us, and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. He's carrying the voice of the Lord. So this is the Lord saying, I have sent you into the city, into the nation. I have caused you to be where you are. Work and pray for the peace and the prosperity of that place. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. You know, we talked about this concept of the unbelieving believer, and thankfully we are not there, and we are moving away from that. But what that means really is that when we read the Bible and we hear what God is saying to us, you, we need to, our hearts need to be able to grab it. So when he says, for its welfare will determine our welfare, that is a major imperative for us to make sure that we are praying for the peace and the prosperity of this nation. It's not just something that we do when Tolu leads us for um, a couple of moments in the service on a Sunday. This is something that we have to take on as a burden to carry on. And for all of the reasons that I've listed out, it's all the more obvious that that is exactly what needs to happen. Because the business of transforming society requires a transformation of the heart of society. We've looked at our hearts, we've looked at God's hearts, but now there's a need for the heart of the nation to be transformed. The heart of the nation is fearful. The heart of the nation is worried. The heart of the nations is hooked up on illegal substances, vaping and drugs and all of this kind of stuff. But there is a need for that heart to change. And the good news, as you and I know, is that with God, that change certainly can happen. And God's people said, amen, amen. How does the heart of our society get fixed? How does the heart of a nation get changed? How does the heart of a nation get transformed? The psalmist tells us in Psalms 33 verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Right there is this. Blessed is the nation 
whose God is the Lord. This applies to any nation across the world. Any nation that will rise up, any nation whose people would rise up and pray through a transformation, pray through a change to the heart of the nation, will receive that blessing. And that is how that heart begins to change. You know, in the depths of our hearts as a nation, we have to ask ourselves the question, who is our God? Who is the God of the nation? Is the God of the nation our Father in heaven, Jehovah? Or is it just the God of those of us who are worshipping today? What is the collective heart, uh, God of the nation? Is it intellectualism? Is it this whole first world superior, superiority? Is it the innovation and the creation and the inventions that we uh, have brought forward? Is that what we're believing in? Is that what our trust is in? Is our trust fully in just in our minds because we know we can think it or so we think? So we think we are God. Who is the God of this nation? Is the God of this nation finances? Is it money? Is it the economy? We're constantly watching the uh, uh, scales as the pound is rising or rather falling uh, at the moment, but yet to rise by God's grace. But is that our God or is our Father in heaven our God? Is it fashion or is it food? Is our belly our God? Who is the God of the nation? And, and, and it's really interesting because whilst we talk about the heart of the nation, we've got to recognize that the heart of the nation is actually the collective heart of the people. So when the vast majority of us are minded one way by heart, that is the heart of the nation. And so when uh, the psalmist asks, uh, says, blessed is the nation whose, who, 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 whose God is the Lord, when the vast majority of us are turning our faces upward to our Father in heaven, then the King of glory will come in and bring about that transformation. You know, that change actually happens in the heart of the nation in the same way that it happens in our individual hearts. So Pastor Agu taught us on one of those Sundays that the antidote is the love of God. Do you know that it is that same love in all of our hearts collectively that begins to function as the antidote to the issues of the heart of the nation? So brothers and sisters, you and I have a job to do because you know who gets to administer that antidote? It is you and it is me on behalf of God. We are his representatives. We are his hands and we are his feet. We are the ones he sends. He's, we are the ones he causes to be in certain places at certain times. He brings people our way. We think that we just ran into people, whether on the tube or colleagues at work. No, 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 no. We didn't just run into them. We were placed as the carriers of God's love into those places to administer that love, to address the challenges that the nation is fa facing in its heart.
So I'm just going to run through five examples of ways in which you and I can spread God's love. Uh, And there are so many more than that, but uh, just follow through with me these five examples. The first one is we get to spread God's love when we represent God in our communities. Yeah? Once again, this Christmas, we're going to be coming to us as a congregation, as a people, to provide an opportunity for us to share the love of God by sharing our Christmas lunch with people that we don't know or may never meet. And that is just one example of the various many different outreaches that we're involved in and can get involved with in terms of bringing God's love to his people. And uh, uh, recognizing the fact that it is he who provides for those hamper boxes through us, through our businesses, we're not even going to be perturbed or worried that, oh, the cost of the hampers is going up because of the cost of living crisis. It is Christmas lunch on Jesus. And so he will take care of it, albeit the fact that he will work through you and work through me. We get to spread love, this is the second point, through um, what you do at your workplaces. Sometimes the Lord will cause you to notice someone who's feeling a bit down or feeling a bit worried, and you get a chance to go speak with them and counsel them and encourage them. And it doesn't even really matter whether you're working predominantly online or whether you are working uh, in the physical building. The Lord always orchestrates opportunities for you to share his love. The more of that love we share, the more we begin to fix the heart of the nation. It might be a new entrance, an intern that you've taken under your wings at work, and, and, and there are opportunities right there. The third point I was going to mention was that you get to spread the love of God by interceding for it, for praying for our nation, praying for our city, praying for our Jerusalem, praying for the UK, and all the more so. Because we know that when we pray, things happen. We know that when we uh, pray, we can prevent things from happening. There are policies that have been written. There are agendas that have been set that were headed in one way and were actually truncated by the power of prayer. Oh, that we would do a lot more of that. And that will begin to inject the love of God into our communities, into our uh, environment to bring about a change. The fourth one I was going to mention is we get to spread God's love when we rise up and put our hands up, step into the gap, and take responsibility for things in the civic space. When we agree to finally heed the nudge of the Spirit and say, I will be a school governor, I will be a magistrate, I I will be a special constable, I will run as a councillor in my area, I will run as an MP, And the door is open wide to all of us to come and put our hands on the plow in that regard, even more so than ever before. And the amazing thing about it is that we actually get to make more constructive impact 
from being on the inside than from advocating from the outside. From the outside, you're carrying placards. From the outside, you're shouting on social media. We're complaining on WhatsApp. But when we step into those places, we actually get a chance to do something about it. That's that whole concept of when you shine light in, it pushes away and pushes out the darkness. And lastly, I wanted to say that we get to spread the love of God when we rise up and begin to take on causes that he has laid on our hearts. And there's no shortage of causes to take on. The world is waiting desperately for causes to be taken up by the sons of God. That's why the scripture says that the whole of earth is crying under the burden, waiting for us to rise up and take up those causes. I was sharing in the first service that um, just as an example of a cause that somebody needs to be taken on, I was reading that um, at the start of last month, the Children's Commissioner for England released um, a report, the, um, there was an independent family review. There's a part one of it and there's a part two of it. So part one of it was released at the start of last month. And in that report, which was um, commissioned by uh, the MP, Kemi Badinok, when she was the Equalities Minister, it came up with some very interesting affirmations, but also some very concerning uh, stats. It confirmed that the family is very important. It confirmed that if people uh, grow up in families, they are more likely to succeed in life. They're more likely to avoid the poverty trap. But the figures that it came up with from the survey were astonishing. Certainly they were to me. Did you know that 23% of families are lone parent families in England? So most of us may very well have a scenario whereby a lot of our circles that we move in, we don't see that. And so we don't realize that the whole of the rest of the nation is crying out. That is one in every four people, almost. Did you know that 44% of people, uh, of children who were born between 20, 2000 and 2001, did not live with their biological parents throughout their childhood? That's scary. That's almost half. And so this is an area that is just begging for one or more of the children of God to take up that cause and represent God by injecting the love of God into that area. What is required, as the Apostle Paul uh, demonstrated very well to us, is the need for a culture change. We have to lead that culture change. Uh, right into the Colossians, as I close, Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, uh, writes, And above all these, put on love. That antidote we've been talking about, he says we should put it on, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Not only do we get to receive God's love and administer it to the heart of the nation, 
but we also receive the peace of God and administer that as well. And so we're not fearful. We're not worried about all of those stats. We're not worried about the economic forecast because we know, and particularly as we pray, that the Lord is taking control of everything. So we as a church have to be the carriers of his love. We as a church have to be the carriers of his story, which we must share, and we have to be the carriers of his glory. To us as individuals and as a nation, the Bible says in John 14, verse 24, my peace I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. The New Living Translation starts off, I am leaving you with a gift. This Sunday, as you joined us online, as you're worshiping here, the gift of God for you to take away with you is his peace. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or do not be afraid. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice who does not have that peace, then in this moment, I just like us as we bow our heads to pray to receive that peace. We might be in a place where we are the unbelieving believer. We've given our lives, we've backslidden, where our hearts are not quite there yet. The beauty about God is that he transforms it in an instant. Or you might be in a place where you don't actually have a relationship with God at all. You don't even know about this God. This morning, I invite you to give your life to him so that you can take that gift of peace as well. So join me as we pray, as we bring the service to a close. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love, for your kindness, your compassion, your mercies. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son through whom we can access peace. Father, for any one of my brothers and sisters who is worshipping today, Father God, who does not have a relationship with you, this afternoon, Lord, we pray that as they lift their, hand, their hearts up to you, that you will bring about a transformation. Lord God, that you will usher them into your kingdom, that you would bring them to, have, to a saving knowledge of you, and that their lives would also be transformed as collectively we all go forward to bring about a transformation in this nation so that you can fix the heart of this nation. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.